This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Well, I'm really looking forward to this episode of the OHL podcast because, and it really just happened because we looked around and said, you know what? We haven't had enough Plymouth Whalers on yet. Sure, we had Pete Krupski, the longtime voice of the Whalers. We had Troy Smith, but I always looked at him more like a kitchen arranger because that's where I first got to know Troy in the Ontario Hockey League. But Adam Kola Giacomo joins us on the OHL podcast this week. Former Whaler, former Gen, former Knight, and with us here on the show. Adam, thanks so much for the time. Thank you for having me, Mike. I love to talk about experiences in the Ontario Hockey League, and I feel kind of bad starting on this note, but I don't know what other note we start on. You come into the Ontario Hockey League, you're making you know that big step in your hockey career, and you start with the London Knights, and that Knights team that you started with is the team that goes down in history. <laughs> That's the worst the league has ever seen. Three wins in your first OHL season as a Knight. How tough was that to go through, Adam? As hard as it was, it was uh, it was fun. It's, you know, the group of guys that were in that dressing room were were great guys. I I I I don't think the team was as bad as it. It's actually echo, Mike. It's echoing in the background. I don't know if I can. It's echoing back when I talk. It'll echo back at me. I heard that for a second there. If Okay, is it echoing now or is it echoing when you talk? So if I, it echo only echoes when I talk. So if I keep talking, it'll talk while, while I'm talking. It'll, it'll play back. And then while I'm speaking, it'll keep speaking. It'll keep playing back. And are you hearing that now? Yeah, that right now I am, yeah. So it's hard to think and talk while it's coming totally, back. Totally get that. And I'm just trying to think of what might be causing that. So I'm going to mute my end just for a second and okay. try. Try to speak now. Yeah. So if I keep talking, it's actually going to keep replaying back. So if I talk right now, as I'm speaking, it'll keep. See. Okay. I wondered if that would be from my end. So how oh, I wish I knew what to do about that. Um, do you want to just, it's the easiest thing. I don't know. Just try to, I could try that. Yeah. I was just going to say like, if you want to leave this meeting and come back in again and let's see if it, if ah, that's the best I can offer at this point, but we'll try. Okay.
I saw that X on the audio again, so I'm worried. How did you get it to work last time? Because it shows on the screen connecting to audio, and then I saw the X. I was hoping it would just, it's going to try again. Okay, uh, now you, yep, but I'm worried that we're going to be in the same, just try hello? talking, yep. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Okay. Are you getting the echo again? No, I'm not. There we go. So much better. Perfect. There we go. Love it. Magic. See? <laughs> again, Magic. Magic. Here, here is my technical expertise. Uh, let's start it over again and see. <laughs> Magic. Beautiful. Magic. Okay. So let's just pick up then where we just left off. I mean, it's as painful as it is, but you were saying that it was actually still a fun season. It, you know what? It really was a great season because especially when you're breaking into the OHL, it's really tough. I think and it's very tough where, you know, you, you, you may break in and, you know, you, you really don't have a, a tight knit group. And that group actually was a great group of guys where, you know, we were best of friends. You know, I still to this day, I still see guys that I play with on that team, Ryan Gardner. And, you know, I played with uh, bunch of different great guys uh, Brandon Sogden I played with uh, you know Kevin Sloda and you know we got a great mix of older and younger guys and you know we made the transition you know moving out of you know ju playing you know tier two junior hockey and uh, into the OHL much easier you know where you have a you know a, a good group of guys it was just unfortunate the team really wasn't that bad it wasn't you know a, a great team but it wasn't wasn't by you know any stretch of imagination it wasn't that bad of a team I think we just got really unlucky at times where there were some nights where, you know, there was one night, I remember we were up, I think it was on Niagara Falls at the time. We were up 5-2 going into the second period or mid-second period. And all of a sudden the, re the roof started to leak and they had to call the game and we replayed the game and they beat us like 6 nothing. I think they I think their coaches just, you know, bag skated them for three days, with, you know, you know, just to kind of make them understand the message that they couldn't lose to us or be the first team to lose to us. And I think that's what happened. Everybody was afraid to lose to us. So... Do you remember the first win and what that was like? I still, yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, I forever remember. It was at home. It was the day before Christmas break, and we played North Bay, and we, we played the Centennials, and they weren't a very good team either, and we actually beat them, and, you know, it was on the uh, TSN Pepto-Bismol upset of the week, so it was, yeah, it was memorable. It was, it was pretty good, but you know what? It was scary enough. The next game, we, we came right after the break, and we played Kitchener, on the road that day and we'd actually beat Kitchener that night and it was the same thing we had one two in a row and team started to kind of you know roll and then all of a sudden it was just you know I just got ugly again where you know we just couldn't find a way to win and if something went wrong it went wrong to us so it was I think it was just unlucky more than anything. You talked Adam about how tight-knit that group was were you uh, in any way involved in the Jeep incident I believe it was with yeah. goaltender Ian McInerney? Yeah, oh yeah, I, Ian was my ride actually. That that year it was uh, it was a few of us. It was uh, there was myself. It was Owen McInerney. He was the driver of, of that of that truck. And then there was uh, who else was on our ride? It was Justin McPollin was on our ride, and there was uh, I believe Brandon Sugman was the other. So you know it was yeah it was it was every day was a fun day. Like you know it was much as yeah we. You know, it wasn't successful, but the guys made it made it a good time, and that, and that's what junior hockey should be because you you really do look back twenty years later and you remember 
you know, you remember incidents like that, right? Where, you know, you had your fun and, you know, that's where I think a lot of these, these young players really, you know, start to understand, you know, that life away from home and, you know, and, and living away from home and, you know, your teammates become your family. As, as much as the challenges would have been there on the ice with just the three wins through that season, London's not a bad city to be in when you're getting your junior start being away from home. No, it was, you know what, it was actually for me, it was great because it was, I'm from Toronto, so it was an hour and a half away or an hour 45 away and my family could always come and visit and watch and, and as well, I was always where, you know, it, it is London's the, one of the bigger OHL cities where there's always something to do where, you know, you got Western where you go watch a football game or you go watch a hockey game or you, you, you know, you'd, you'd, you know, there's always something there that would, uh, you know, would be great for the guys to go out and hang out. Obviously, not long after you left London and, and just after you left the league, the Hunters take over and things change dramatically in London. Do you ever look back at that and say, well, damn it, if they had done that five years earlier, it would have been different for me? Well, 100%. And it's not that the ownership group that before was a bad ownership group. I think, you know, the Terry family, you know, they tried their best and I believe they were they were they were builders and they weren't really hockey people where you have the Hunter family where they're a hockey family. And as much as anything, they're, you know, they're, you know, NHL quality coaches and understand their players, former players, former coaches, you know, that, you know, and what they're doing over there, they've, you know, they've shaped their organization and created their culture where, you know, now it's, it's, you know, that they produce so many great players and yeah, hundred percent, you know, you always look back and say, Hey, I wish, you know, I would have been a part of that and for sure. And maybe my, my road today would have been different than, you know, where, where it ended for me. But, you know, I also got very lucky and played some, some for some very good coaches where I played for Pete DeVore and I played for Steve Spot and I played for other guys that really, you know, taught me the game and taught me how to be a, a good person. And you kind of, I look back and, you know, those guys really did help me and shape me, you know, for what I am today. So what do you remember about your first OHL game? My first OHL game. I, my first OHL game, I don't really remember. That was, I, I'm pretty sure it was at home. I, I remember my first American Hockey League game, but not my first OHL game. I, it's weird. Like, you know, you, you go back and you remember a bunch of your, your hockey career. You know, I don't remember my first OHL game. I, I, I would say that I, I would, but I, I really don't, you know. But I, I do remember that, you know, you know, the ice house. And I remember playing and I remember being nervous. And I remember, you know, stepping in my first game. And, I you know, in that season we had... Uh, our first coach was Mike Federko and I remember him and he was a tough guy to play for where, you know, he was a hard nosed coach and it didn't matter if you were a 30 goal scorer, 40 goal scorer, or you were a, a grinder, you had to play his way and his way was the ugly way and it was the hard way. And, you know, hockey today is much changed, you know, from when, you know, from when I played, but you know, it's like, it, it was, uh, it was eye opening. I'll tell you that where, you know, you were, you were forced to, you know, to step in and have to, you know, have to, you know, you know, how do you say, you know, you had to, you know, do whatever he asked. And that was, that was what it was. And, you know, he was a more physical type coach and he tried to get me to play that way. So. You still didn't have trouble filling the net though. I think you had more than 20 tucks that first year, didn't you? Yeah, I actually got, you know, but that was, that, that was the fortunate part. You know, I was, I was very lucky to, to get a lot of playing time and where, you know, stepping in as a rookie, you usually don't get much opportunity in the beginning where, you know, our team wasn't very good and they were kind of rebuilding for the future. And I got very lucky where I got every situation where, you know, I came in and was able to play on the power play and able to, you know, to get, you know, a lot of minutes and, 
you know, when you get situations, you know, you, you're able to go out and show what you're able to do. Right. And, you know, I was fortunate that way, you know, where I, I did, you know, did get a lot of ice time and for sure, you know, it was a great season. It really was. It was a, you know, personally, you know, individually, yeah, it was great, you know, as a, as a team, it wasn't, but you know, that was, you know, I think it was an easier transition break in here for me, you know, playing on a team like that. So. You mentioned mem- remembering that first AHL game. I guess it's because it's that first pro game, but what do you remember of it? I, I, I remember, I remember scoring in my first game. I remember, you know, I remember, you know, getting a puck off my, my centerman. His name was Eric Landry. And, you know, we were jumping in on a two on one. And I remember, you know, him sliding it across and, you know, it was weird that night because the home opener we, they had, uh, there was in sync or it was no, sorry, it was the Backstreet Boys or in sync. It was one of the two. So they sang the national anthem. So the, the actual stadium was full and we, we were in Rupp arena and it seats 20,000 people. And, you know, the arena was full, not to watch us, but to watch, I think it was in sync or the Backstreet Boys. So, you know, I, I scored, I, I put one underneath the crossbar and I just remember that the crowd going nuts and that feeling of, you know, where, you know, you play in your first game and you kind of break, you know, you, you break the seal and you score your first one. And it was a, it was a special night. It really was. And it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We talked about that first win in the Ontario Hockey League just before Christmas over North Bay. You had lost 31 to start the year. What was it like at the end? Like, you must have felt like you won a championship after posting that first win. <laughs> it really, it, you know what it was a great feeling that night I think we uh we celebrated for a while you know that night we celebrated and you know it was it was kind of tough you know where you know you, you go through a stretch where you're pressing 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 and there were nights where we should have won and it just didn't bounce and it was like yeah without a doubt when we did win that first one it felt like we got the monkey off our back and you know and it was almost that pressure and you know and it was you know, we were lucky at the time and I was lucky at the time. We had some great people, you know, in our, you know, our trainer Branks. I don't know if you, you, you know, Branks is a legend in, in the OHL and he was, and, you know, and he was great to us young guys. And he was, you know, it didn't matter, you know, what it was. He'd always make us feel like we were, you know, important and we were the best. And, you know, and that was, that was the hard thing where, you know, it was, you'd walk into the rink and you feel like you're almost weren't, you know, you weren't, you weren't successful because you weren't winning, but I, but I thought, you know what, I, you know, that team really, you know, re, you know, turned it around that year after. And I think that growing stage of learning how to lose and understanding, you know, it wasn't really fun, you know, where, you know, that London team did turn around and it ended up rebuilding to be a very good team. So. You talk about a guy like Branks and it just makes you think about trainers and junior hockey generally Branks certainly among the very best ever, but they're the unsung heroes of this game, aren't they? For sure, without a doubt, you know, and I, you know, I was a part of a couple of other organizations as well, where we had uh, Chetto, which is um, in Oshawa, he's another, another legend where, you know, he was, you know, great with the guys, like, you know, if we were hurt, you know, Branks was more of the, you know, life coach where he would talk to you and he wasn't exactly the best trainer where it was, you know, healing and, you know, and if it was physio or, you know, where Chetto was the opposite in, 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 uh, in Oshawa where he was, you know, he was more of that person where he take care of you that way. And, you know, and it was like, you know, I, I got very lucky. I got to play in a, you know, a few really good, you know, places and teams and, and, and organizations. And so, you know, I was, uh, it was, uh, it was a, a, a four year, you know, you know, I think really shaping experience for me where it kind of, 
you know, I had my ups and my downs and I had my, my, uh, my good, and my bad. And, and I think, you know, it was a lot of learning for me in, in that four years. You talk about Oshawa and that's where you were traded after your first season, you play with London, the next two years are in Oshawa. What's it, what's it like being traded as a 17, 18 year old kid? Well, I think that was the tough, I think that one was tough for me where I, I was in London and I was very happy and it was where I just didn't really, it didn't work out for me in London where, you know, you know, it was, I think it was more coach and player and it was where we kind of didn't see eye to eye and, you know, and it didn't kind of work and, you know, and I had gotten traded and it was, you know, it was a situation where I really, you know, probably didn't want to go, but I got very fortunate and moved to a team that was, you know, fighting for a Memorial cup. And, you know, and I was, you know, once, the initial shock of getting traded and, you know, and that feeling of getting, you know, moved, I think, you know, at first was very hard, but once I, you know, once I got to where I got to and I was in Oshawa and fighting for Memorial cup that year, it, uh, it was really, I, I think for me, it was a, a memorable experience. And, you know, and I made a lot of good friends on, on Oshawa and, you know, and, and guys that I played with and experiences I went through with that, with that Oshawa team where, you know, it was special where that team was probably the, the, probably one of the best teams I've ever played for in my life. And, you know, and it really was a team and it really was a great group of guys and special group of guys and, you know, talented and as much as anything, you know, I, you know, my roommates at the time, I, I you know, I was with, you know, I got lucky enough to, to room with Mark Savard and probably one of the greatest OHL players. And I got to play with him. You know, he was my centerman for that time there and, you know, got to play with him over that, you know, three, four months. And, you know, just to, you know, just to, to be able to play with a guy like him that with, a, with a hockey mind like his, he was just so intelligent, so smart. And, you know, and he actually taught me a lot and made me understand the game, you know, a, a different light where, you know, things that he would see, I, I didn't see. And, you know, he made me understand, you know, the game at a, at a different level. Did it make it easier, Adam, for the next time? You got traded after a couple of years in Oshawa. You're on the move again to Plymouth. And not only is it another team, it's another country you're getting yeah. traded to. Yeah. And I, and I think I got very lucky there as well, where, you know, I, I moved from London to, to Oshawa and I played there for two seasons and, you know, and it really just, it, it, I wasn't clicking in Oshawa. It was very tough. And it was, you know, I think it was more, you know, the coach I did have that first year where he probably was one of the, most tactical and probably the smartest coaches I ever played for in Bill Stewart, you know, where he was in a very brilliant man, you know, when it came to hockey, but his ability to get through to his players, I think he was a lot tougher and he was a lot different. And it was, it was almost my, it was really mind challenging, you know, for me. And I think that last year, I think that move from, from Oshawa to, to Plymouth really rejuvenated my, you know, my OHL career and, and really, I got very lucky where, you know, I, I went to a top team. I played with some really great players. I played with Harold Drukin. He was a line mate of mine, Randy Fitzgerald, where I actually played minor hockey with. And, you know, he was our captain and a great guy and he was a great leader. And, you know, and I played with some, you know, David Legwand and, you know, Paul Mara and, you know, uh, Jason Ward and, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of great players. And, you know, actually at the time, even, uh, Oh, I can't remember Justin Williams. And even he was a rookie at the time. And, you know, our team was that deep and, you know, it was so, it was so great where, you know, we had, you know, Pete and Pete DeBoer and, and Spotter and they were just great people and they just knew how to, you know, get the best out of us. And they understood, you know, I think they really understood the, the player end of it and what we go through as, as players and, you know, and, and being able to have an open, 
an open door where, you know, you'd be able to go in and talk to them and, you know, and be able to, you know, if things were not going too well, you know, they were there for you where they would talk to you. And if things were, you know, they would be there to ground you and they were there to, to make you understand. So I, I think, you know, I got very, very lucky on that last move where it kind of, it helped me and it really helped me, you know, understand. And, it, you know, and I was really, really fortunate to have guys that actually cared for me. So. From what you saw of DeBoer and Spot then and what you learned from them, I suspect it doesn't surprise you at all to watch them doing what they're doing today. Oh, for sure not. It's, it's funny. It's ironically enough where you had two of my coaches where you got one coach, they both play in the National Hockey, Hockey League and Bill Stewart. And then you got Pete DeBoer and Spotter where I was saying where the one coach, it's, you know, he didn't understand how to get through to his players, you know, and he really wasn't that player coach. And he had a shorter career where he was a brilliant mind. And then you have a guy like Spotter and, and Pete where they understood that and they've had a long, longer, more successful career. Right. And, and it really is. And, it, you know, and you kind of look, sit back now and learn. And I think that's where it's opened my eyes for my own, you know, what I do today and where I teach kids and I run you know, I run a hockey school and I, you know, I'm involved in minor hockey. I've been doing that for 20 years. And I think those guys there, they've really, you know, shaped me now as even as a person where I look at things totally differently. Right. And I look at everything, you know, a different way where you're trying to help your players and trying to, you know, and you're trying to, you know, instill those, those right qualities where it wasn't all about, you know, just the win and the loss, you know, where I, you know, I really feel, you know, Steve, and, and Pete really understood that we were human beings first and we were people and, you know, they really, you know, cared for us that way. And, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing, you know, I, you know, I, I remember it, you know, playing junior hockey and remembering that whereas those guys were great, were great to us and were great to me. How seriously did you take your fitness back then, Adam, because I, I heard something about like push-up blocks that were there in the room for you to, you know, stay in shape. <laughs> well, I think my first year I came into camp, I was my first, my, my first OHL camp. I came in 30 pounds overweight. I was a big, big, strong kid. I was, I was six, six, two, two thirty, which I wasn't in very good shape. And, you know, I got through my minor hockey career where I was, you know, I think I, I just knew how to, you know, find the net. I knew how to score. And I understood, you know, I understood where to be and I understood where, where to put myself in order to get myself those chances, you know, but as you move up levels, you, you know, it's a little bit different. Now the game changes. Now it becomes quicker. It becomes faster. You got to react to the puck quicker, you know, where, you know, I showed up the training camp where it was, you know, I didn't know I was un uneducated. I didn't understand. I didn't understand you know, what type of, you know, there wasn't the type of awareness today there was back then. Like today there's awareness where there's, you know, anywhere these kids turn today, there's off ice programs, there's nutritionists, there's, you know, back then there was none of that. And it was kind of, you were on your own. And, you know, I showed up to my first training camp and I was forced to lose 30 pounds and Mike, you know, Mike Federico wouldn't play me until I lost 30 pounds. And I, I dropped 30 pounds in a matter of three weeks and it probably wasn't the healthiest thing in the world. And it wasn't. And that's the way it was back then. And, you know, and I wouldn't dress or I wouldn't play. And, you know, and thank God that he did teach me that because I couldn't play in that in that shape or that condition. But as my OHL career went on and, you know, and as I got into probably my, my 18, 19 year old year, that's where I took it, you know, very serious. And I understood the difference 
between, you know, not being in shape and being in shape. And I think my last, my last season, I was probably in the best shape. I think I was running at like five and a half percent or four, four to five percent body fat. And I was able to, you know, I was, you know, my, my, my VO2 was great. You know, everything was, I was in order because I'd already now had been to NHL training camp with San Jose and they were starting to educate and they were starting to make you understand. And one thing they had said to me was, you know, when I walked away from my first camp was, you know, you have to get yourself into, you know, NHL shape. And if we're going to sign you and if we're going to have you be a part of us, you have to, and no problem. You know, I, you know, and that was the good thing with them was they did communicate that with me and they made me understand that. And, you know, that, that next summer, I think I put on, you know, God knows how much muscle and how much fat I took off and everything else. And I made sure that I was, you know, I was in proper playing shape. And, you know, ironically enough, my last year, my 19 year old, my 19 year old year, I had my best season in the OHL where I believe I was like fourth in scoring in, in the league. And I, you know, I had over 40 goals and, you know, and I, you know, and I was in a better situation where, you know, now I was in much better shape and I was able to play in night in night out and produce consistently over the grind of an OHL schedule where you're playing three and four nights and you're traveling and you're, you know, and you're, you know, it's not easy. You know, that's the one thing where people don't understand playing junior hockey is, you know, those three and four and those, you know, you know, that, you know, that grind of the bus and, you know, every day at school and, and, and everything else that comes with it. It's, it's not, not easy. It's definitely challenging. And it's, you know, you have to be in the, the best shape and you got to be, you know, doing the right things. You know, it's funny. We're just talking about how you figure all this stuff out and you figure it out in that year, you put up these big points with the Plymouth Whalers and lo and behold, I think his ears must've been burning. I don't know how you managed to do that Coley with this guy, Troy Smith, who's just jumped on the call as I think you guys roomed together, didn't you? I think we did. Well, not, we didn't room together as uh, you know, not, not in Plymouth, but you know, if we were on the road or, you know, it was always at the back of the bus and, you know, it was, it was great times. You know, I, I, I don't forget, you know, and those was one of those special years, right. Where, you know, you look back and, you know, we had the ability to be able to, you know, conquer so much, but it was so tough at the end where, you know, we, we came down to injuries and we had a bunch of guys that were very talented that were, you know, were looking to get to the NHL and they wanted to get there quick. Right. And, and I, that's understandable, you know, when you're 19 years old, who doesn't want to play in the NHL, right? You know, so. Smitty, Coley was just listing off a bunch of the guys he played with in Plymouth. Oddly enough, your name didn't quite make the list. <laughs> I'm not totally shocked by that, but, you know, I really came on here because I know Coley won't give himself enough credit for just, just how good of a player he was, but more importantly, how good of a person. When you look back at that team, you know, he, he really brought it together, although we fell short in the playoffs. Like, his his professionalism and his presence was, uh, you know, was was second to none and, and really important to us that year and just a, a fantastic guy. And I just know he won't say enough about himself, so I'm on here to tell all the people how great he was. Thanks, man. And still yeah, is as a person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> still look the same. Got the great beard, you know, like that was yeah, the man, thing about no, just getting gray, unfortunately. Yeah. Just gray. <laughs> well, we all are. We all are. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to hop on and and say hello because we obviously caught up in the summer a little bit through text and that. But uh, he was a great player, Mike. I tell you what, to go through the you know some of the things in London. I don't know what you guys have talked about, but uh, you know I'm sure Ryan Lindsay, who's a friend of mine, would have some great stories about him as well. So 
you know, sorry if I interrupted the flow here. Yeah, no problems, man. Nice to see you, man. Always, you like too. always. And, you, know, you too. You know, it's great. You know, when you go back and you remember junior hockey, you really remember the guys that you played with. And, you know, one thing I say, and I really tell all my kids that I, you know, today is the friends that you make, you make them for life. And you may, you know, you may only play with them for a year or two or, you know, but you go through special situations or, and games and, and wars, like, you know, and Smitty, you'll remember yeah, I'm sure you remember that one night where, you know, we had that bench ball before the game where guys were firing pucks on both ends of the rink and you know, <laughs> we're all sitting there standing up for one another and we had no choice, oh, yeah. right? Like, yeah, it, was, not... it was brotherhood and that's what it was back then, right? Yeah, so. I, I remember that well. You know, Paul Mara taking slap shots isn't uh, isn't advisable <laughs> against the Sioux and that, that poor linesman, stop, stop. You know, it was just... <laughs> Different, different times, but uh, yeah, it, it is. You're you're 100% right. It's all about the people and and uh, the relationships you make along the way, for sure. For sure, well, Smitty. I think you told that story when you were on the podcast of that pregame brawl when Mara was firing those clappers across the ice. Yeah, it was something else because you know they probably made the rule to start filming warm up after that, but. Uh, yeah, we, we had a, a decently tough team, so I think we would have been all right. But, you know, firing pucks is uh, it's not probably something you want to see, but uh, it's a great story. At we the all, end of the day, it's a great we story. We all our visors, visors down to our chin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I, yeah. I, I won't name names, but I'm sure there was a few guys hiding behind the net with, uh, with good reason. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, great times. Great times. Coley, so. the rumor, rumor has it that Troy was one of the guys that played through a whole heck of a lot. No matter how banged up he was, he found his uh, found a way into the lineup no matter what. Well, that's what Smitty was. You know, he was our heart guy. He was our heart and soul guy where, you know, it was like, you know, he, he would play, you know, it didn't matter if sick, hurt, you know, you know, whatever it was, he was, you know, he was our leader. That's why he was our leader, you know, and guys looked up to him, you know, and it really was, you know, where I think Troy was, you know, it wasn't going to, he wasn't going to be like Paul where it wasn't like Mara where he had, you know, that ability where, you know, to maybe shoot the puck or, or make plays like that. But I tell you one thing, Paul couldn't be Troy where he didn't have that, you know, you know, that, that will, that fight, that, you know, that leadership where, you know, you really, you know, it really was, you know, special, like, you know, and everybody loved Troy. Everybody loved Troy from the, you know, the, from the arena ushers to the coaches, to the trainers, to the, you know, everybody, the bus drivers, you know, he was the the likable guy and he was that guy, right. He was that teammate, you know, he was probably one of the best teammates I ever played with. So. That's, that's humbling for sure. I got to come on this more often, Mike. You, know, you, you never talk thing. about me like this, but you know what? I, I do remember a time in Peterborough where, um, and this tells you the leadership abilities of Adam, right? And this giant turning into a giant love fest here. Um, <laughs> you know, we weren't playing well. I got into a fight. I wasn't tough by any stretch of the imagination, but I do remember Collie standing up and talking about, you know, funny enough, everybody's talking about the Leafs, you know, team toughness and just you know, how important it was and me as an overage, I shouldn't have to be doing that, but you know, everybody's part of the team, but uh, you know, Adam led by example. I think I talked to you about it in the text, like, you know, there was, you know, talk because he had been so skilled, you know, and I don't think this is, you know, this is a compliment here, Adam, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe you got by on a skill, but when he came to us, 
it was the total opposite. Like the guy traveled with push-up bars. I can remember uh, in the room, you doing push-ups and you know me kind of sitting on my on my fat tail there. But uh, you know he led by example, and no doubt those kids that he's got with the Marlies now are, are extremely lucky. But uh, yeah, again, I, I don't want to jump in too much here. Maybe I should sign off unless you got anything else there for us, Mike. But uh, I just want to say this so Collie knows because. Troy, it's true. Like Smitty and I got to know each other and I, I would call him a friend from this game for sure over easy, the past 10 easy. plus years. No, I'm going to say it. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> but he came through, Collie, in a big way for me this past summer with some fundraising that I do. And I don't think it surprises you at all that Troy is like one of the first guys to reach out to me, step up and say, I want to help. And the guy helps me raise more than a thousand dollars for my charity. Well, that's, that's just Troy, right? Yep. He's that guy that's all heart, right? He's the, you know, he's the guy that will have your back. He's the guy that will stand up there for you and stand up beside you on the front line, right? And that's what makes, you know, and that's the, I, I to be honest with you, they don't make enough players today like that anymore, where I really believe, you know, today's generation and today's hockey player, you know, isn't, their mindset isn't that. And I think, that's the one thing we're missing, you know, where we really got to develop these young guys coming up where to have that mindset like Troy did and like we did on that team where we would stand up for one another. And we, you know, and we were, it was brotherhood and it really was. And we really did love each other on and off the ice. You know, we, we had a, you know, we had a special, special group of guys and, you know, and watching some of those guys and I'll never forget, you know, watching, you know, guys, you know, where they would be doing things where, you know, it was out of the norm, you know, and, you know, and where, you know, it forced us to step up and, and have to and have to play that that ugly side of the game. So I, I do agree with Adam on that. You know, like for any kids listening to this, it's a lost art to be, you know, and I'm not comparing myself to this guy even close, but when you think about it, there's one Tom Wilson in the league. And you know, if you can combine that skill with a little bit of heart and soul and being a character guy. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's other guys in the league. A guy like Bertuzzi in Detroit is a good example who can kind of do a little bit of everything. You, you can find a job for yourself. And uh, I, I do think kids, you know, skill is great, but there is still uh, different dynamics to a player that can really, really, really help them uh, to make a career and make some money. But uh, I'm going to hop off here, but I am going to invite myself over one day, Collie, to check out some of that wine over your right shoulder. And talk about it. <laughs> talk about the old days. We'll have a good night. hundred percent. You, you got to come by. We did talk about that. You know, yeah. We did message back and forth a few months ago, and I got. I definitely got to get you over. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, we'll make it happen. But uh, yeah. Anyways, I appreciate it, and great to see you both. Thanks, Smitty. Great All cameo, right. Smitty. Take care, bud. See ya. <laughs> Troy Smith at TV. How do you, How does that feel, Collie? Just and, so. Troy really is, he's a good guy, good friend. I reached out telling him that you were going to be on the podcast. And he's like, I got to, I got to hop on and say hi to Collie. Great, great surprise. You know, a great guy. And ironically enough, we were messaging back and forth five, six months ago. One, I, I can't remember why, but he had messaged me for somebody who had known that was coming through the hockey school. And, and I, I just messaged him back and it was great. We were conversing for a good, you know, probably three weeks where it was back and forth. And we were talking about our families and our you know, and everything else. And, you know, and I was talking to my family and it was, he was telling me about his, his story, what's going on in, you know, in, in the OHL and he was coaching and going through all that and everything else. And, you know, it was great, man. Like, you know, and it's really, to be honest with you, we were just, 
it was just about, you know, life. And we were talking about, you know, experiences that we had gone through, but it's just nice, right? Like, you know, like I said, you know, you, you play one year with a guy and I only play with Troy for one season, but we became great friends and you don't forget. And then even when you don't, you know, you haven't seen him and I hadn't seen Troy in probably 20 years, you know, and it's like, you know, you see him again, he's still a great friend and, you know, and that's what hockey does. And that's what junior hockey does to be honest with you. So. What was Plymouth like as a market? I enjoyed going there uh, because there were a lot of great Kitchener Plymouth rivalries a decade or so ago. And obviously they had that great run of seasons without ever missing the playoffs, but you were there pretty early in the friend, at least after moving from Detroit to Plymouth and, and setting up at Compure Arena. But what was it, what was it like as a market? Well, we, we were fortunate because we played in a great rink at the time. It was just brand new. It was at the time that it came out, it was, it was brand new. Pete Carmonis owned our organization. I'm not sure if he still does to this day, but, uh, you know, he ran it first class where, you know, everything from our dressing room to our weight room facility to our, you know, everything was, was top shelf at the time. And, you know, and, and the way they just, you know, the market itself was different. It wasn't like, you know, we had our, 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 you know, some nights where we're busier than others in the stands you know, I think as we got closer to the playoffs, it always, you know, seemed, uh, you know, to get busier in the rink. But it wasn't like a market like London or Windsor or Peterborough or these smaller market towns or the Sioux where you go in there and every single night, that's the draw where that's the, you know, that's the, the main event where everybody's coming in town to watch. You know, Plymouth wasn't like that, but it was, you know, I, I really did enjoy my time there. I loved I love the city. I love Detroit. You know, there's some really... You know, don't get me wrong, there's some really tough parts of Detroit, but there's some really nice parts as well. And Plymouth is one of those places where, you know, it was uh, it was it was great. Like it was a nice place to live. You know, I'm very lucky with my billet family. They were great people. Uh, the Snead family, they, they were great. They were really nice to me. You know, they always were, you know, looking to, you know, looking out for me, you know, at that, that last year. Because, you know, it's still even at 19 years old, you're still a kid. You know, we're not, we weren't men. We were just, you know, entering that adulthood where, you know, you're learning how to take care of yourself, you know, and, you know, I think, I think at that point it was a, a good stage where I, I got lucky to, to move into that, to, to move into Plymouth. So. I said at the outset, that was really the reason I reached out. I just thought we haven't had enough Plymouth Whalers on this podcast. I'm going to go back and, and find Cola Giacomo and see what's going on. And it's great that Smitty could make this cameo, but and obviously that's where you saw your greatest success in junior. But I, I do want to go back to Oshawa, Bill Stewart, Mark Savard, who we already mentioned as well, and the OHL championship. I mean, not every player gets to experience that, Collie. No, 100%. No, and it was, you know, and that was, that was that team that year. And we were really, you know, we were really a tight group. And I'll remember, I do remember, you know, I, I got myself hurt. I was injured in the middle of that run, you know, I, I, I came in, I came into Oshawa where I was, you know, you know, slated to play with Mark Savard and I did for the first, you know, first or the last 20 games of the season. And I got to play the first round and a half of the playoffs. And then I, I, I got, uh, I got hurt. I, I got a Charlie horse. I got a little bit unlucky that year where I had a separated shoulder earlier in the season in London. And then I, 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 you know, come off of that. And then I had a Charlie horse in the playoffs where I couldn't walk for about a week and a half where, if you know what a Charlie horse is, it's like a big deep bruise right in your, right in your quad, right in your thigh. And you know, the, it was, it was so bad that I couldn't walk for about a week and a half. And I, I missed a, few, a bunch of games in the playoffs that year. And then 
when I bounced back into the lineup, I was, you know, I was on a third, I was on the third line. You know, I, you know, I went from playing with Mark Savard on the first line, going to the third line. And I remember, you know, it wasn't about me at that point. It was about the team and the goal. And the goal was to win that OHL championship. And it was to win, you know, that, you know, that Memorial cup that year, because we had such a great team. And, you know, I, I put my own, I put my own, you know, uh, feelings aside saying, Hey, I got to play on that top line. No, right now my, my call was to, slide back in because guys had stepped into the lineup and guys were starting to perform and produce and the team was winning. And, you know, that's the hard part as a player to sit back and say, Hey, you know what? I, I got to do what's best for the team today because, you know, it's not about my personal success. It's about team success. And, and you know, and, and, and to, and to, and to be put in that position, I think as an 18 year old it was a little bit tough at first, but I think I really understood it. I really got it. And I, you know, by the end of it, I, I, I know, I, you know, I was, a key part in, 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 in helping that our team win, because I, I still remember off that game six, when we beat uh, Ottawa on game six at home, the, I think the first two goals of the game, we you know, I, I was in on both of them and I was playing with Brandon Coulter and him and I were two young guys. I believe he was 18 as well. And that year we were star studded in Oshawa where we had John Tripp, Dan Hynote, we had Ian McNeil, you know, we had Ryan Lindsay, we had, you know, so many great players, like, you know, so many good guys, Jan Snowpeck, you know, um, you know, uh, so many great guys were, you know, you could put anybody on the ice at that point and everybody was able to produce and everybody was able to contribute. So it didn't matter if you played on the first or the fourth line, it was every guy on that team, you know, was able to contribute and help towards the cause of winning. And that was the goal. And, you know, that year we beat Ottawa in the finals and that was probably Alan McCauley was the big guy back in the OHL back then. And Alan McCauley was a, another special, you know, OHL player. And he ended up having a really good NHL career and, and pro career. And, you know, and, and, you know, we ended up beating them in game six and we were the underdogs that year where Ottawa was the number one team through the whole season, you know, where I think we really was, you know, and I preach to my, my teams today, it's team first. And, you know, team first came from that Oshawa general team and, you know, any team that is successful in winning a championship, if it's the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, how they went on their run for the last three or four seasons or three seasons, you know, where they won their Stanley Cups and they've been to that finals three times in a row. It's because of that team first mentality where everything is geared towards, you know, the, the two points for the win, you know, versus the, you know, the individual stats for yourself, you know, and, and you know, and that was, I think that group there really, taught me and really opened my eyes. And it really was, you know, a, a special, special, special team. And, you know, like other guys as well, like unsung guys where, you know, they're just guys that weren't, you know, you know, David Arsenault and never, you know, and, you know, a guy that was undrafted, he ended up, you know, Tyrone Garner, another goalie, you know, both of our goalies, you know, it was like where, you know, David Arsenault was an undrafted guy and he came in and just got hot. And, you know, he went through that playoff run. I think he was probably, you know, the, the, one of the top players or top performers in the playoffs. And he just, you know, literally took his game to a different level. And, you know, Tyrone Gardner had to step aside and he was a Calgary Flames draft pick and he was a great teammate about it. And as hard as it was for him, because he was a good friend of mine, you know, he understood. And, you know, we used to talk about it, you know, and he was okay with it. And it was like, he wouldn't be sitting there, you know, wishing bad upon his teammates so that he can get his chance to play. No, it was where he was, you know, he was a great team guy saying, Hey, you know what, if, if it doesn't go well for you tonight, I'll step in and I'll pick up the pieces, you know, and then you pick up my back, you know, when it comes to your turn. Right. And, 
that's the way that team really ran. And, you know, it was really, we were really lucky and, you know, we were really, really special that way. You know, it really was a great group of guys. You mentioned that Ottawa team that year and they were, if not head and shoulders, definitely head above the rest of the league and you run into them in the OHL championship. How much belief was there in the Jens room that year, Adam? I, it was, I, that was the thing. And I, you know, it didn't matter who he played. I think, I think when it came down to the end, when we got, you know, you know, well, you know, first in the OHL, you know, we're playing Ottawa, you know, and they were deep or they had, you know, Nick Boynton, good friend of mine, Brian Campbell, you know, guys that, you know, that were really, you know, top players, Dan Tessier, you know, where, you know, I think he was 90% on faceoffs. Like it was crazy. He was the best faceoff guy I think to ever play. I think I've ever seen, like he was winning draws at 90%. Right. And you'd, you know, and, you know, in, in the OHL or in hockey in general, puck possession off the faceoff is huge. And they were so good where they would control the puck. But I think it was where, you know, one, we had a very smart coach where our coach was very bright. Like, you know, Bill was, you know, arguably one of the smartest coaches I've ever played for. But, you know, he understood how to, you know, how to pick other teams apart. And, you know, and I think for us was it was we were such great friends and such great teammates towards each other, we just understood and we bought in. We really bought in where our goal was to get to the Mem Cup and win it. And, you know, and we fell short in that Memorial Cup run that year, but it was kind of unlucky. I, you know, you know, when you get down to that stage where you're in the Memorial Cup, it's a tournament style where you're playing a one game elimination when you get down to the semis and we played, played Lethbridge. And, you know, it was a great game back and forth and it went to overtime and they scored and they, they beat us in OT. And it was like, that was probably one of the hardest things I went through in the OHL is that when the actual run was over and the actual season was over, it was almost like it was like that, you know, letdown where, you know, not because we fell short of our goal. And it was, I've never played on a team where it really meant that much to everybody where it, everybody was just pulling in the same direction and it just didn't work. And, you know, but I think even if we would have got to the end, I think it was kind of unfair that year where a whole, the whole, the whole Olympic team had, you know, stacked themselves up. And a lot of these OHL teams do that right at the end where they had Christian Dubé, they had Peter Worrell, they had a bunch of different guys where they were just loading up and they were the host team that year. So they hadn't had to make the actual, you know, Quebec league run where I don't even know, but I don't believe they actually won their Quebec league that year. So they were kind of waiting and they were kind of resting where everybody else had gone through that war where you have to go through that war of, winning a seven game set. And then when you win that seven game championship, when you, and I always say this, and you know, when you hit a high, you know, when you hit that ultimate high, you usually come down with a low. And I think, you know, and it was like, it just wasn't destined to be for us at that, you know, at that Memorial cup, but you know, I, it was a great experience and that was fun. And that, you know, it's one of those memories that you, you know, you'll keep with you forever. You know, you, you go through that and you know, you, you don't forget, you always do remember. Was it difficult the next year to, I mean, cause I always wonder this, like you go so far, right? You go through the OHL regular season, you go all the way, you win an OHL championship. You're in the semifinals of the Memorial cup mentally. How do you prepare for the game one of the next regular season? I think that was the, the, the tough part. I think in that next year, it was weird because now we had lost everybody and we had lost, you know, we, we lost, you know, don't get me wrong. We lost half of our team. And we still, even that year, we had some guys that had played on that team, Kevin Cauley, 
you know, good friend of mine, great player. You know, he was another young guy, another young guy that, you know, stepped up for us that year. And, you know, I remember it was, you know, there was a bunch of guys that were still there, but there was a lot of guys that were gone, key pieces where we had lost, you know, uh, Jeff Ware, we had left, lost Lindsay, Ryan Lindsay, Jan Snowpeck, you know, we keep going Mark Savard, John Tripp, like our team was depleted. So that next season, it was almost like, okay, now it's like, okay, guys, now you young guys got to be those guys. And now you've got to kind of, you know, and, but the expectation was just, you know, it wasn't like it was that last, that season before we knew we were, you know, in that rebuilding stage where, you know, the OHL is that like, you know, you'll go through your four, you know, it's always that four year cycle where you're trying to draft the right guys. You're trying to draft the right players, trying to keep them, develop them. And then, you know, you kind of get lucky where you kind of make a couple of trades where they kind of make an impact so that you're able to make that OHL push, right. That, that, that run. But we, you know, it was, uh, you know, that next year was, uh, was, uh, was different where, cause now, now we had, uh, we had lost our, well, our coach Bill had, had, had uh, moved on. I think he had moved on to the Islanders, to be honest, off that run. I think he got his chance in the national hockey league where he, uh, where he got to move up and uh, he coached there for a bit. And I think then after that, he came back down and he had coached in Barry, I believe it was, you know, if it was at that point, he had moved up in his career, but you know, we, a lot of different guys move in and out of our uh, off of our team, so it kind of made it uh, a little bit challenging. But it was still it was still a good team, great great group of guys. You talked about it earlier, and I don't want to just leave it with uh, barely a mention, and that is, of course, the National Hockey League and San Jose and what they asked of you, et cetera. But uh, a fourth rounder, if I'm not mistaken, to the show. Uh, I mean, that's what you play the game for, right? What was what was it like learning that you had been drafted into the National Hockey League? Well, I think that's where I think the education part of it back then was very tough on us. And, you know, I, I was a different, you know, I, I was a, a highly rated player. I was, you know, that year going the only, in the NHL draft, I was, I was rated in the first round. I, I slipped a few rounds because of a couple of injuries in that year that run with Oshawa, I, I was rated in the first round. I ended up going in the fourth round and it was a real learning experience for me, you know, you know, going into my first NHL training camp and, you walk into your first NHL training camp and, you know, and you sit there and you're watching the guys and you're watching what they're doing and you're learning and, you know, and, and you come back and you say, okay, you know, this is what I need to do. And then, you know, and, and then as you, as you get older and at that point you start to, you know, understand. Right. And I think, I think my biggest, my biggest letdown or for me was my biggest mistake was not creating uh, you know, a, a niche for myself, you know, where on my whole minor hockey career and OHL career, everything was geared towards scoring where, you know, you know, if I was a, was a kid, it was always, okay, you know, tap me and go and, you know, put one in. It was no different at the OHL level. I was too, too, you know, geared towards that where it was like, okay, you know, how do I, you know, how do I, you know, mutate my game now at the, you know, AHL level and NHL level to get myself to play at that NHL level. And, you know, I, you know, you can score 50 goals in the OHL doesn't mean you're going to be a 50 goal scorer in the national hockey league. It's a different animal. It's a different game and it's a totally different game. And I think for me to break in, like most guys do, and, you know, a good friend of mine was Joe Thornton that year. He went first overall. And when he went into the league and he entered the league, you know, he came out of playing in the Sioux and he had 130 points in the Sioux. And that year he stepped in the National Hockey League now and he's playing on the fourth line with Ken Baumgartner and, you know, another guy. And he's got to break himself in where he's got to change his role now and he's got to change the way he plays. And I didn't seem to change the way I played. I 
you know, where I should have morphed my game, where I should have been that guy that was going to finish more checks and play harder defense and, you know, and chip in with the odd goal here and there and, and gain my coach's confidence and saying, Hey, you know, okay, now I can play this part of my game and I'm going to make this part of my game better. And it's going to make the transition easier for me to be able to step up to play at that next level where, you know, I didn't have that mindset. And looking back at it now at my age, you sit back and say, okay, now I know where I failed. And that's the hardest part, you know, when you're 19, you're 20, you're 21, and you're going through it. A lot of these boys just don't have that guidance where they don't have that, you know, guidance from their, you know, from their either coaches or their agents or their, you know, and, and I think that's the big thing I will say, even to the agents where, you know, you got to be honest to the players, like when they're not doing the right things, you know, they should be doing, you got to let them know, you know, and not where you're, you know, interested or worried about, you know, what's, you know, you're not offending the player or, you know, that's where you really got to coach the kids. Right. And you got to teach them and you got to, you know, shape them for what, you know, if, if, if you're breaking into the next level, then you got to break in where you got to kind of create, you know, your role and what your, you know, your job is going to be to help that uh, team. And, you know, you know, where it may be in junior where you're a goal scorer. Now, all of a sudden you step into pro hockey. It's not going to be that way anymore. Now you're going to be that, you know, up and down, you know, if it's a winger, you're going to be that up and down winger. That's going to be strong along the boards, chip pucks out, get them in, you know, you know, you're going to be responsible and you're going to chip in with an, you know, with the, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, offense, you know, where it's not, everything is geared towards just one way. At what point, like, when did you know, or how did you know that maybe it's time to give up on playing and I'm going to go into coaching instead? Well, I think that was tough. I think my last year in the American hockey league, I, I had gotten, you know, I, I'd been injured twice and I had been, been injured where I had two heart injuries. You know, one, I was, uh, I was knocked out cold. I, I got taken a hit by a, an old Kingston front neck, Mark Morrow. And, you know, if you remember who Mark Morrow was, he was six, three, about 230 pounds. And, you know, he just caught me where I was carrying the puck up the ice on the power play. And, you know, and I was carrying it up and, you know, I had a, a man on me and I was trying to make more than I should have of, of the play. And I, you know, and I got myself caught vulnerable and, he got me pretty good and he hit me and I, you know, kind of went into the boards. I went in face first and, you know, got knocked out cold and came to in, a, in an ambulance. That was my first one. So it was kind of a setback that year where I was out for a few weeks with concussions and came back a little bit, probably too early now looking at, cause we didn't have the concussion knowledge that we do today. And, you know, and, you know, and, and unfortunately when you're playing at that level, you don't want to lose opportunity. So even when you are sick or like Smitty said, or like Smitty was sick, hurt, whatever it was, you did not want to get out of the lineup because it could be your last day out of playing hockey. And, you know, and that was the tough one for me. And then about a month and a half later, I was in Houston and it was off a face off. And I went and picked my, I was a winger. So I picked my, my, on the offensive zone, we're an offensive zone face off. And I picked my, uh, my winger to hold him up. So he wouldn't get out to the point as we won the drawback. Draw gets kicked back to the point. The centerman comes across for some strange reason. You know, our centerman picked their centerman because that was his job. His skate caught up, came up and caught me right across the neck and took 30, 34 stitches across the neck. And, you know, that was another, you know, tough blow to me. And I think it was a tough blow to me mentally. And I think, you know, I was out for a good two and a half weeks where I, you know, just imagine a, a you know, a 36 inch, you know, 36 stitch gash across your neck. You're, you're sitting there saying, okay, you know, I, I got to bounce back now. And I think, 
mentally, that was the hardest part. The injuries, you know, people don't talk about that enough where the injuries really play with you mentally. And, you know, the, the mental toughness you got to have coming out of injuries where, you know, I've had a few, but, you know, I had separated shoulder. I've had, you know, actually my last year in Plymouth, I had blown my hand out. I had surgery on my hand where my tendon had moved from, you know, from my, my middle knuckle right over to my, uh, my index knuckle. And, you know, it was like, I, you know, I had surgery there and, you know, that was the hard thing for me. I think in those last four or five years of playing, I had sustained some really tough ones and, you know, and at first you, you get through them. And I think, you know, you really need, I think these players really need help. Like, you know, when they go through, I think that part of the game, I think, you know, you know, these kids, you know, when they do get injured, you know, a lot of things will play with you. Your mind will play with you where, you, you know, it's really tough for you to get back on that ice and, and, and wanting to go back and, and fight again. And, you know, and I think it wasn't, wasn't that, I think I kind of got depleted where I made some bad choices and bad decisions where, you know, you're not playing in situations in that American hockey league and you kind of voice your opinion. And, you know, and as a player, the second you voice your opinion, you, you're, you, you know, you ain't getting a second chance and you're going to, you know, and unfortunately you're going to pay for that. And, you know, and I'm one of those guys that, you know, where, you know, I, I did pay for, you know, mistakes I did make and, you know, and, and I'm old enough now to understand it. And, you know, and, you know, and I educate all the, you know, my own son today and my other kids and, you know, and other players I coach and, I try my best to educate them that, you know, it's like, okay, when you're going through situations and, and tough ones, you really got to be careful on how you act and, and what you do and how you think and your mindset. And, you know, I, I think there's not enough coaching at any of the levels for these kids that way, you know, where everybody's more worried about performance and everybody's worried about on ice situations and on ice, you know, tactical and, you know, and all that kind of stuff where I think a lot of it has to do with the mental part of hockey or the mental part of sports where, you know, you really have to, you know, get the coaching there as well, because it's not just, not just about your ability. It's about the whole package when you get to that level. I wonder listening to this list of injuries from conkeys, Charlie horses, gashes across the neck, uh, tendons in your hand. How the hell are you feeling today? <laughs> how's, how's the body? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, you, you know, some days when it rains and it gets really damp outside, yeah, I, I do feel some of the injuries for sure. But, you know, it's at the end of the day, you know, like anything, we love hockey. And, you know, I was watching a thing on Carey Price the other the other day, and he was on I was on TSN, and I almost started to cry. And you know, you watch him, and you know, he paid the price. Where you know, unfortunately, today these athletes are pushing themselves to the point where you know it's to the point where it's too much, and they're you know these kids are overtraining and they're overdoing it, and you know, and it breaks my heart, right? And where you see you know former players where there's just no education, and unfortunately you know, we're human beings after hockey, like we're still, you know, you're still, you know, you know, Carrie's still gonna, you know, have to be a dad and have to, you know, hopefully do something with his life after hockey, right? You know, you can't sit there and play golf every day as much as we'd love to. That's great, but you got to be a, an active part of, you know, society and help the world and you make it, you know, make it a better place. And, you know, if hopefully Carrie gets involved with hockey, you know, I really believe a guy like Carrie where, you know, he, you know, he has had some demons in his life and, he's beating them and he's beating them now. And, you know, and I know I have the confidence in that guy that he will, because he is that, you know, strong mind. He has that, you know, killer in him and, you know, where he has that mindset, he's going to defeat anything and beat anything. And, you know, we really need to educate these, 
you know, future players, you know, that there's life after hockey and taking care of yourself and your body. And, you know, and it's not just, you know, that goal of becoming a national hockey league player. You need to be a well-rounded person. I should have asked you earlier, Collie, but I was reminded when you mentioned Morrow, the former front, getting the better of you on that hit in the American League. When you're with Oshawa, of course, Jens, Pete's probably, for my money, still the best rivalry the league has ever known. <laughs> yeah, I can tell by the response. I mean, what was it like being in the thick of that for a couple of years? I'll never forget. There was one night we were in, we were in Oshawa, and the score, we had just, we had that, uh, we had that young team and, or yeah, we had that. No, it was, it was actually that, it was that team. It was that, uh, it was that Oshawa championship team. And we were just, we were just beating the crap out of, out of Peterborough and their coach. And you know, that rivalry was so thick. Like, I mean, you, it attention was like you, before a game, you knew it was going to, you were going to walk out with three bruises. You're probably going to walk out with a cut. You're, something was going to happen. You're going to, you're going to have ice bags on you. And, that night, there must have been 13 fights. I think even I, and I wasn't a fighter, and I fought twice that night, and you had to. Everybody fought. Like, it was just the way it was. It was just hated. And if, and if one side got up on the other side, they would, you know, there was that sense of pride where, no, it, was, it wasn't happening. Like, you know, you know, you weren't getting back on that bus. You know, if you were coming out of Oshawa or you're a Peterborough, you weren't coming off that bus if you weren't going to, you know – leave a leave a statement saying hey you know you're not doing that to us and there was just that rivalry where it was hated like i mean fans hated each other players didn't like each other coaches didn't like even trainers didn't like each other it was it was it was like that it was it was good it was you know but it was fun like you know you you don't forget it and i was lucky enough to be a part of that like you know and it was part that's part of tradition that's part of you know hockey tradition you know that uh that Peterborough Oshawa will go forever. I think that rivalry for last forever. It was like London Windsor. London Windsor was the same way when I played. It was like, I remember going into Windsor and I'll never forget a one year we had a tough team and that, that first year in London where we, you know, we weren't very good. We were tough. And I will never forget my roommate, Justin McPolin, somebody had said something when the stands, he jumped, literally jumped in the stands. He jumped and sparks were flying because the skates were going on the concrete and we we're like, Oh my God. Like, but you know, they were throwing pennies at us. They were, you know, it was, that was the way it was back then. And, you know, today it's a lot different and it's changed and it's, you know, it's where it's a hell of a lot more control than it has to be. And it, that's the way it should be. But back then it was a different time and it was a different, different era. That's for sure. Yeah, we talked about your time in London, a decent-sized junior hockey market, uh, and what it's doing today, obviously. I know the Hunters, the brand-new arena, et cetera. The Ice House was a, a bit of a barn for sure, but you talk about Windsor. Man, oh, man, that old Windsor arena was a tough place to play. Oh, for sure. Oh, and you, you knew, and they always had a tough team. They had DJ Smith at the time. You know, he was, a, you know, very physical. You know, he, you know, he would, you know, he'd make you pay the price if you stand in front of the net. You know, you had DJ and a bunch of different guys that were, you know, physical and, you know, and that was the way they played. That whole West division was that way, you know, London, you know, it was London, Windsor, uh, Sioux, um, and, uh, Sarnia. Sarnia was another tough rink to play and it was tiny. It was a shoebox, And, you know, and that was another tough one where they had, uh, Eric Bolton. I, that's right. I, and Eric Bolton was, was, uh, at the time and, you know, still probably, was one of the, the toughest guys to play in the, you know, a, you know, OHL, NHL, you know, so it was, 
you know, that was the, you know, tough, tough division, very tough division. Listen, I, I, I know I have to let you go, but before I do, uh, you're obviously coaching today and, and you've made references to, you know, what you try to instill in these young men, all the experiences that you've had, uh, you know, from your time playing in the O to playing pro, what, what do you try to instill in the kids that you're t- coaching today? Team first. I think that's the most, the one message I, and I really say to all kids is, is, you know, one, you know, without a question, be a great teammate and a good person like that is for sure. But it's that team first mentality where you're always putting your teammates ahead of you and, you know, and it's individual success ahead of the team, right? Like you can't be putting your individual success ahead of the team. That's, that just doesn't work. And I think if, if, you know, like that's the biggest problem with, you know, these youth players is that where, you know, they're, they're being raised that way. And, you know, and everybody, you know, I think they have that false sense where you're going to get to that ultimate level if it's all about numbers and it isn't always when you, as you climb the ladder, it's, you know, it's really understanding that team first mentality. And, you know, and it's like when I select players today and I know as you move up levels, you know, organizations like the Tampa Bay lightning organizations, you know, like that, that are successful or or the Colorado avalanche. And, you know, it's, you know, teams that know how to win the Boston Bruins, you know, they're looking and selecting players that, have that mindset. And I know at first and foremost, you got to, you know, got to be able to compete very hard and you got to have the skill and ability and the speed, but you have to have that team first mentality. And, you know, that's a mentality. That's a, that's a skill that, you know, you don't need talent for, you know, that's a skill where it's just, it's just a, a, a way of living and thinking and being, and everybody can think and, you know, live and be that way. So. You're still having fun in the game. Love it. Yeah, I, you know, I, <laughs> uh, you know what? I really, I really enjoy, you know, I really enjoy being around the kids. I really enjoy being around the game. I really enjoy competing, and I love that feeling I get. You know, even when I walk out of that dressing room as a coach, you know, I get that feeling where you know I'm still playing. And I think my career ended short, where you know I ended very young. I ended at 24. And it was really, you know, it really, it was really hard for me because it shouldn't have ended that early for me. And, you know, and I think it was just, you know, what was supposed to happen. And I look at it every day where, you know, unfortunately I'm one of those people that, you know, that, that go through, you know, everyday living where I, I have regret. I, I do, I do have regret where, you know, I wish I would have did things differently, you know, between those 20 to 23, you know, you know, ages that, that stage. And, you know, and looking back now, I, you know, I, I really wake up in the morning and I, you know, I love hockey every day. I, I want to make a difference. I want to help out the youth. I, I want to be a positive influence. I, w- I want to do my best to help change hockey, you know, and I want to help these kids, you know, be, you know, become, you know, not just hockey players, but successful people, because there are so many qualities that, you know, that hockey, you know, teaches you and brings and, and you know, that'll help you in everyday life. And let's be honest you know, 99.9% of these kids, you know, don't make a living playing hockey. So there's, there's all this other that comes with it that instills, you know, that, that hockey, you know, brings out of you and that will instill in you that will, you know, help you be successful in life, you know, so I think that's the, the biggest thing. So does the hope then become, Adam, that, you know, the players that might go on to 100 plus point 
OHL careers after being with you, you can instill in them some of those lessons that help them make better choices from the age of 20 to 23? Well, I, I, I try now. So every team I've worked with, like the groups I've worked with, I've had groups at the 99, 2005 level, you know, uh, 98, 99, 205. And now I got my 2010 kids, you know, I've been instilling it in them since they were six you know, since they're babies. And I, you know, and I really feel that you got to instill that in them when they're young. Like you can't, you can't change habits when you're 17, 18. At that point, your habits are already formed and they're created, right? So I think you really got to get them when they're small and when they're small, you groom them and you teach them that way. And, you know, and that's the, that's the process. Like, you know, I think that it's got to, it's got to start at the grassroots. It's got to start at the, you know, at the young stages because, you know, it's like anything, if you, you know, if you, if you do the right things every day, you know, it just becomes a habit, you know, and if you act and think and you are that way, that's just your mindset. So you really, you got to teach them when they're young, you know, and I think that's the, I think that's where, you know, I think where hockey really, how we really have to get through to these kids at that young, at that young age. Was that McDavid kid, one of your kids? No, actually, I didn't, <laughs> I, you know, I was, I was almost able to coach Connor the year that, you know, I, I, I had the 96, my first AAA team I ever coached was the 96 Mississauga reps. And at the time he was, you know, prior to that season started, he came out to a couple of trials and I got to see Connor when he was, uh, Connor was, I think he was eight at the time because he was playing as an underager with the 96s and he played up his hole and I, you know, and I got to skate him for the first time. And, you know, first time I got to put him on the ice and, you know, it was like, oh my goodness, like he was just two steps ahead of every other kid. He just processed everything so much quicker. His foot, footwork was so much better than everybody else and his skills and ability was. But I think most importantly, you know, getting to speak to his father, you know, a couple of, a couple of conversations on the phone and meeting him. And at the time, his father was very, you know, really good with him. You know, he was very, you know, in, the, in all the things that were instilled in him, you know, all the, all the qualities that were instilled with them, you know, you could see it was coming from dad where it was being, the message was being sent from home and it was being coached. And that's why I really feel Connor today is as talented as he is. He's a great person, a great human being. You could see that, you know, he's well liked by his teammates and his peers. Right. So, you know, you know, that those qualities were being taught into him. Smitty notices the wine cabinet behind you. I noticed the McDavid jersey behind you. You got everything we need on this podcast, Collie. Yeah, we're okay over <laughs> here. This is my office, but no, that only comes out in special occasions. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know what? I love hockey. Everything, you know, in my basement, in my, you know, in my house, hockey's my life. You know, hockey's been very great to me. I'm very fortunate. I'm very, I'm, I'm one of the lucky people where, you know, I still, to this day, I skate three, four hours a day. I'm teaching kids. I'm involved in youth hockey. I'm involved in the game. I'm lucky enough that, you know, I walked away from playing hockey where now today I'm, you know, I'm still involved in it. I'm 43 years old. You know, every day I get to put my skates on. I get to, you know, get to gear up. I get to skate, I get to handle a puck. I get to shoot. I get to, you know, to do all that. Right. And I, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I've never worked. I say it all the time. I've never worked a day of my life. I'm one of the most luckiest people in the world to, to be able to, to, to live like that every day. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm very fortunate to have had this conversation with you. Our listeners are very fortunate to having had the chance to hear it. What uh, great lessons and some great stories that you're able to share. Adam, thanks so much for doing this with us. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it.
Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.